Okay, welcome everyone uh, back to another episode of Pats and Covered. I'm joined here by Victoria Grample and I am very excited about this episode because this is the kind of person and the careers I really wanted to get involved onto the podcast of like really, really untraditional and cool careers. So Victoria, do you want to come in and do a little introduction for yourself? I won't take over the glory of it all. Oh, you're too kind. Thank you so much for, for having me on the show. Um, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, so I guess a little bit about myself. My name is Victoria Grempel. Um, I work in sales development for an artificial intelligence company called Sama. Um, but I guess sort of my, my plot twist, the reason that I'm on this show is I'm actually a retired ballet dancer. For con- like anyone who doesn't know, so me and Victoria literally met yesterday, which was amazing, and it was on a panel for at a VR event, and we were in the virtual reality. Environment. It was so cool, but so different. I was just like the whole time so confused by everything that was happening, but it was really, really cool <laughs> to be able to do it. And she kind of just threw that in there, where she's like, yeah, like I was a classically trained ballerina at Juilliard, and I was just like, excuse me, no, 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 like you can't just glaze over this. What is going on? So... Yeah, no, it was it was actually so cool how you and I met. Um, so I guess a little bit, of, I'll say a little bit about how we met last night. So we were on yeah. this panel, um, and it was uh, a bunch of women uh, who come from, I guess, what you could consider like non-traditional tech backgrounds, or like, I guess, women that don't have a degree in STEM. And we did the whole thing in alt space VR. So like, I was in my Oculus, you know, in my living room. It was evening, and certainly it was like morning time in Australia where you're based. And we had this great turnout, and a number of people were there. And of course, everyone's there like as their avatar. Um, and so I've actually kind of loved meeting people that way. I feel like if it weren't for, you know, the pandemic, it almost gave us a new way to meet people. Anyway, that's what I'll say about that. I mean, oh, great, like the pandemic essentially made these kind of things happen a lot more easily, right? I mean, I think before lockdown, things like this, like a podcast like this would have been a lot harder to convince people to get onto in terms of like, hey, do you want me for a video call where we chat through things? They're like, <laughs> nah, I'm all right. Like, yeah. But I'm very glad it's all happened. And I'm very glad we got to meet because also now I've got like a whole lineup of new guests coming along just because of that po- <laughs> uh, the panel we did yesterday. So it's great. It worked out really well for me. Yeah. But anyway, right. Classically trained ballerina, right? Let's go back. Wait, I'm assuming you started really, really young when you got into ballerina. Like, how was that something you kind of just knew what to do? I'm sure you didn't really know what you wanted to do it for, but you kind of got into it, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I started dancing when I was like two or three years old, as I feel like many little girls get into, um, and I I fell in love with it. I was actually. Um, I was actually, I started my dance and ballet career and my figure skating career at the same time. Um, So I was a competitive dancer and figure skater. And when I got to, you know, the ripe old age of nine, I actually had to decide if I wanted to do the the dance track um, or the figure skating track, because that's at the time if you have to decide if you want to train for the Olympics as a figure skater. Basically, you make that decision at nine. Um, And so, yeah. And so I was on track for that, but I ended up liking dance a little bit more. Um, And so ever since then, yeah, I'd been dancing since I was two years old. That is amazing. So, oh my God, at nine, you decided like, right, okay, dancing is where I want to be at. Mm -hmm. Also, figure skating, another little twist, which I'm (laughs) all about. Like, I think I did that as like a kid as well growing up. (laughs) It's just... God, it's such a like pushed away memory at that stage at this stage in my life. Where I'm like, oh my god, I did do that at some stage. 
bizarre I'm glad you brought it up <laughs> yeah. um so wow okay so you've now gone into dancing at nine so like was that then just like throughout high school throughout kind of making the college decisions that was just it. yeah yeah so nine you know I, I retired as you could say from figure skating um and I went full force really into dance I'm I'm I should say I'm based in New York City um I was born just outside of um, Manhattan in a small suburb and when I got to probably around age 10 or so, I had outgrown the dance schools, the local dance schools in my area. And a teacher of mine um, told my mother, you know, I think she's she's ready to train in in the big city in, in New York. Um, and so basically at the ripe old age of 10, um, my parents started um, driving me an hour into Manhattan for uh, more serious uh, technical training in dance. And so by the time I had reached, I was about in eighth grade, I actually attended a specialized high school in Manhattan um, called Professional Children's School for children who were pursuing professional careers, whether that was in dance or um, children that were on Broadway or in television shows or models or equestrians. I had a friend that competed in the 2016 Olympics, she's a horseback rider. Um, and so I was going to like normal academic school there and then I would, you know, leave school around 2.30 or so. And then I'd be in ballet class, basically training from 3 o'clock in the afternoon to about um, 8 or 9 o'clock at night. And then I would go home. The crazy thing about that is since I lived outside of Manhattan, I was actually waking up at 4.45 every morning to catch a 6.13 commuter train to make it to my, like, first period chemistry class by 8.15. Um, and I did all of that to support and enhance my my ballet training until I graduated high school. So I'm kind of like <laughs> a little bit lost for words. <laughs> oh my god! As in, I mean that in the best sense of the words. Of that is amazing. Like the kind of dedication you had from the kind of get go for this. You're like, this is it. This is really what it was. And also the school sounds unreal. Like, I mean, I feel like you've got great, especially the Olympics. Oh my God, it's just so cool. Like, there's just so much in there. I'm like, oh my God. And then Juilliard. Oh my God, I feel like the pinnacle yeah. of kind of performance arts, right? Yeah, I mean, I always say that like, I was just as surprised as everybody that I tell this story to. So, you know, after training for many years, um, went through high school, I was always like very into academics. And, you know, I thought, you know, uh, a more traditional like university path was something that I was interested in. But, you know, I auditioned for Juilliard with the attitude of like, okay, what have I got to lose? Who actually gets into Juilliard? You know, it was sort of like I had skipped out. I um, skipped out on another audition, like another like dance uh, program at another university. And my mother was like, Victoria, I've paid $30 for for your Juilliard audition and you can't skip out on another audition, you have to go. And I was like, okay, this is, you know, a long shot, but let me go. So I went into the audition, like not super nervous. Um, And it was actually funny. So Juilliard is actually right in the same neighborhood as where I went to high school on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. So I think I went to like my first period math class that day and then like casually strolled over to the Juilliard audition because I was like, there's no way I'm getting in. 
Lo and behold, after about, I think it was a six and a half hour day. So it's very, it's kind of is like in those dance movies where there's like a first round of a ballet class and you know, you have okay. your number on and then there's a cut yeah. and there's another class and there's a cut and people are crying and storming out of rooms. And I kind of sat there and I couldn't believe that I made it to the end of the day. And just because you get to the end of the day, it doesn't mean that you get in. It just means that you're like in the running. So I made it to the end of the day. Fast forward a couple weeks later. It was the week of my 18th birthday. I'm sitting in the library at my high school, the professional children's school. And so, because, you know, going to school in the city, I'm in a, in a tall building looking out the eighth floor of the library. And I just happen to be looking across at, Ju at Lincoln Center at Juilliard. And I get a call and they're like, Victoria, we want to welcome you to Juilliard's class of 2016. And my, my initial reaction was like, Am I being punked? Like, where's Ashton? Like, this can't be real. And that, and then basically the rest is history. Oh, I love that. I think honestly, I mean, you say you were just as, I'm like, I wasn't too surprised. Like, I mean, the dedication you've had, like, throughout everything else. I was just like, honestly, you deserve this. Makes sense to me from what I'm hearing. I'm like, completely well deserved. But like, oh, unreal. I'm loving this, by the way. If you couldn't tell, I'm like, this is just so different to everything I've ever talked about with like other people on the set. I'm like, amazing. But okay, cool. So Juilliard's happening. I mean, how long is the degree? Four years, I'm assuming. Yeah. So you graduate with a Bachelor of Fine Arts, mm -hmm. um, and you get to perform. So so Juilliard is part of Lincoln Center. So within Lincoln Center, mm -hmm. that's home to the Metropolitan Opera House. Um, New York City Ballet is there. American Ballet Theater. Um, so you're basically performing on all of these stages, like in 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 the hub, the cultural hub of. Um, New York. And so I did that for four years, had these wonderful experiences. I mean, training and performing with luminaries. You know, I had a teacher that for all of you, you know, modern dance nerds out there was a disciple of Martha Graham. Um, one of my favorite um, ballet dancers from American Ballet Theater. He's, he's now retired, but he was a principal dancer. Sasha Radetzky choreographed my senior, my senior solo. And and I was in a, um, you know, an Under Armour commercial with Misty Copeland, like the first black ballerina at, at American Ballet Theater. And so I just had all of these wonderful experiences, you know, like some of my performances were reported on by the Times. And it was just it, like every day was just sort of this wild out of body experience. Oh, I, that just sounds <laughs> unreal. Like, I'm like, I feel like we could spend the whole time just talking about your experience with the whole thing. Yeah. So what was next? I mean, did you then start working as a ballerina? Like what actually yeah. happened like, right after? So I, I was performing and when when you're in Juilliard, even though it's in, it's in school, you're, you're treated as a professional. So all of your performances are like open to the public. So it's like listed online. So you're, you're basically performing professionally. Behind the scenes, basically while I was a student, I started working in Juilliard's Office of the President. Um, and in their fundraising offices, because I became obs obsessed with with Juilliard, just like how does it run? Like how do you like how does it you know over a, a hundred plus year old institution run? How does it you know I want to know like the business side of it. And so um, I was doing that all while I was going to school, like my thirty minute lunch breaks and <laughs> things like that. So by the time I graduated, a, a position was created for me um, on Juilliard's public affairs team. And I sort of, I say that I like tricked my boss into giving me a job because I said, um, if marketing, you know, and communications is about telling the story of Juilliard, then who better to tell the story than somebody who lived it? And that's how I joke yeah. that how, that's how I like tricked them into <laughs> giving me a position there. 
But that sounds great. I mean, like, that's literally, I feel like, how everyone should approach jobs at this stage. Like, no, 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 no. you need me to yeah. be able to do this because of this. Like, this is how it works. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So you've been working in the professional affairs office, the public, public affairs. affairs. Public affairs. God, words are just not my forte at 9 a.m. in the morning. Mm-hmm. But, so public affairs office. So, I mean, you've now had this amazingly cool career working in the arts and dancing and public affairs but then where has the switch to tech happened like has that happened yet or is that to come where does that all fit in so the switch to tech happened right smack dab in the middle of the pandemic you know I think not unlike many other people I found myself um at home (laughs) in front of a computer uh sort of isolated from my my normal life Uh, and I just had a lot of time to think and I had a lot of time to think about uh the future uh, my career, uh, just reading a lot. Um, and, you know, tech certainly during the pandemic was, was creeping into everybody's lives and in a way that it wasn't before. And certainly in the arts, I think it's, it's new because so much of the arts are, are in person. So I was interested in, in exploring, you know, new ways to, to connect. And it's funny, I was actually reading an article because I started you know, reading more about AI and I, I was really fascinated by this, right? And all of the wonderful, powerful, insane things that you know, AI is responsible for. And you know, I actually read this article about, and I think it's an article a lot of like, tech people will be familiar with, how an image of Obama was like, fed into like, an AI and it was upscaled to an image of a white man. And so I oh, read yeah. about how you know, the problem there was that the data set was not diverse. Like the the algorithm had only been trained on images of like predominantly white men. Um, and that got me thinking, wow, this, this is a problem. <laughs> I think this is like an obvious yeah. problem. And so that started, that kind of like flipped a switch in my brain. And I was like, wow, and if AI is gonna take over our lives and tech is taking over our lives, there needs to be people of diverse backgrounds working in it to make sure that the AI is equitable or is made for everybody. And so I kind of threw my hat in in the ring. I was like, all right, how do I get into tech? Like this is knowing everything that I know now, how can I get into tech? And I basically stumbled upon this like lovely, incredible, amazing um, training program. It was literally like, I Googled how to get into tech sales. (laughs) Like that, that was the Google search. I was at my, I was temporarily living at my parents' house, how to get into tech sales. This program came up, it was called Vendition. It was like, we'll train you for free, we'll set you up with an apprenticeship, um, and then if all works out, you'll you'll stay on as a full-time employee. And I said, you know, what do I have to lose? Yep. And so I interviewed there, it was great. Um, one of the first places I interviewed with after my training was at Sama. And um, Sama, where I currently work, is a female-founded, female-led, ethical AI data annotation company. Oh, wow. I love this. This <laughs> is like all the greatest stuff in one place for me, honestly, because the oh, diversity and everything about it. I'm just like, I could scream from the rooftops and die on that hill. Like, honestly, that is like, I live for this. Okay, cool. So let's break this down into a little, little smaller bit. Yeah, yeah. So sorry. What made the decision? No, no, no this is perfect. This is like, we needed the highlight. Like, let's go into deeper end, right? So what was, what made you decide specifically? So, I mean, you've already explained why AI. Mm-hmm. Um, why specifically say tech sales um yeah so and not necessarily going straight into kind of hardcore data sciencing or coding and all those kind of things um you know i thought i sort of t- 
took an assessment of my current skills and experiences. And, you know, I think going back to school is amazing if you could do it, but I, I wasn't in the position to sort of like yeah. drop everything and, and go back to school. And I think with everything that, with that, you know, everything that encompasses um, yeah. going back to school. And I said, okay, how can I take my current skill set, add some more training, do some research, do some homework, and how can I apply that into tech? And so I, I, I you know, looked at my resume and I said, okay, I think tech sales could be an interesting entry point. Um, I'm yeah. willing to learn. Certainly there's hope. You can't just like jump into, <laughs> you know, like selling AI like I am now. So it took some research and homework, but I said, you know what, I, I love talking to people. I love solving problems, like identifying a problem and helping solving it, helping to solve it. And the fact that I found a company that, like I said, had amazing leadership and I loved the work that they were doing, um, felt right. And, and my background, you know, marketing about telling a story and I was doing fundraising, you know, like shaking hands and attending orchestra performances with, with donors and, you know, bringing them into the fold at Juilliard. So I, I felt that there were um, a lot of transferable skills. And then also, of course, being a dancer and like the the intensity and the time management and that sort of like relentlessness, I think, is required in sales <laughs> um, to, to not 100%. be defeated, <laughs> to not be defeated yeah. or or like be good with like rejection. If someone says no, like how, how you handle those. Um, and so that's how that's how I found my way that like that was my entry point with like the skill set I had at the time. Yeah. OK. Oh, this leads into you've set this up perfectly. This leads into a great question. So and I find this a lot when I talk to so I mean we run Women in Code here in Melbourne and there's a lot of people who come in and they're like, Hey, I'm taking a switch in careers and they have this worry of kind of not being able to get a job just because they don't have skills in that specific industry, right? But I think we both talked about transferable skills even on the panel yesterday, but it's just such a key important point of it. Um, did you ever, I mean, from the sounds of Sam, it sounds great. So I feel like it probably wasn't the biggest um, kind of hurdle to get past and that side of things. But was that a kind of a running theme of, but you're a dancer, why are you in tech or why are you doing AI? Um, where people just didn't understand that any skills you've learned are always going to be transferable. Um, it's an interesting question. Like I said, like jumping into Sama as my first job. I remember my yeah. first meeting and, you know, like entry level, like sales development representative, that's my title. And I, I'm in this big meeting with like the head of product and the CEO. And it's my first day and I'm sitting there in Zoom and they're like, aren't you the woman from Juilliard? And I, I was just, honestly, I was floored. Like I was just trying to be like blend into the furniture, just trying to, to adapt. And so... I think people, I think um, you'd be surprised and people who feel that way, because I certainly felt that way, like why is my experience valuable in any way? Because mm -hmm. it seems so out of left field. But in tech and in AI, my experience has been that it's almost attractive to tech companies for you to have an unusual background because then you bring a, a different perspective to the yep. field. Um, and so I can't say that was huge. I think, I think my biggest critic was myself <laughs> in that yeah. way. I think, you know, like your number, you're, you're, you're your own worst enemy sometimes. Um, at Sama, I currently work in the autonomous vehicle and robotics industry, which is like pretty much like very male dominated outside of Sama. And so I think I felt a little hesitation, like going in and like attending events or, or networking in those groups. But again, I feel 
like once you start talking to somebody and they realize that you know what you're talking about, you you sort of break down that barrier and gain their respect in that way. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, like I think it's so important and the Gretchen who I run Women Who Code with she constantly is like always talking about how it doesn't matter like she I mean if you ever anyone listening ever need kind of a backup of like hey you've got the skills for tech it doesn't matter what you've been doing she's the person to talk to like she can convince and she's like you did this well you learned xyz from this like you're your mother like oh my god the best negotiator in the world like, it's just <laughs> yeah. so amazing to hear those kind of things like she's great at it and it is it does really just come back down to yourself right I mean it's such a big thing of like I the amount of times I still remember this so I mean I was in a similar position where I kind of started um as a data scientist with no like tech background mm-hmm. <laughs> like I was like I'll learn how to code on the job this will be great um so when I started I kept just being like well I don't know anything like I mean I don't know anything and it took me got eight months and I was at a hackathon kind of an event where we were just learning about this new tech that had come out and I was on this team of like, it was just like random industry people. And these are all people who'd been in the industry for years. Like these are like senior people. And I'm just there as the grad back then, like who joined this team. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to let the team down. And I remember so distinctly kind of we being there and we're going through the thing. And they're like, oh, okay, what like language do people code in? So we can actually go do this product, blah, 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 this project. And everyone had their one thing. And I was just like, honestly, there's like four languages in this. Pick whatever I can do. And like, I'll switch. It'll be fine. And I was like that moment of like, oh my God, I actually do know things. <laughs> and it took eight months. Like, I mean, I'd been obviously working and like things were going fine, but it took so long for me to be able to see it until I was in a situation where I was like, oh, I do know things. Oh, I can actually apply my skills here and it'll be fine. Um, it was just, it's just super interesting. I think how quickly that it's just one second switch. And you're yeah. like, I'm okay now. This makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the next. Sorry, I just kind of wanted to hear more about Sam itself. Sure. Like, um, sorry, it just sounds like really cool stuff. And yeah. I'm sure other people who are listening, especially because I'm into data science and more people are, would be cool interested to hear that too. Yeah. So at Sama, um, we are uh, we provide high quality uh, training data. So we do uh, data labeling, and some of our um, you know, customers that we can mention, of course, include, you know, some of our favorite companies, you know, Google and, and Microsoft. And um, I work with uh, Ford. And um, yeah, so basically what we do, and we're, we're considered an, an ethical AI company. And, and I love to like break that down for a minute. Um, yep. so, so basically, I don't know um, how I'm sure your listeners are very familiar with many parts of the AI and ML and, and workflow and, and how that all works. So basically, we work on a number of like computer vision projects. And so we have full-time annotators who annotate data. And so what makes us um, an ethical AI company is has to do with our supply chain. So basically, let's say we get you know a million images from Google or something, and, and they need them annotated or like a foreign company or something. Um, So what happens then is that data gets sent to our employees um, in East Africa. And in East Africa, um, that was a special place for our late founder, uh, Lila Jana. She actually started Sama as a nonprofit. Um, She has this amazing TED talk. You should totally check it out. Um, And her philosophy was giving work. So you know that talent is equally distributed but opportunity is not 
And so she had a connection to East Africa and she said, you know what, there are tons of people here who are willing to work and who are skilled and how can we empower them? And so that sort of like blossomed into what it is now. So basically we have over 3,000 full-time employees where basically we support like entire economies. So we're, we're in um, Nairobi, we're in Gulu, uh, we're opening an, another center actually in India as well. Um, where people are given benefits, um, a living wage, training, um, and they stay with us for a number of years. And so those are the folks that are doing those data annotations. And of course, the data is labeled at an extremely high quality over, you know, I can go into the whole sales pitch of over 90, 98% <laughs> yep. efficiency and all that. And then it gets sent back. And then, of course, we don't hold on to that data at all. You know, it's all uh, anonymized and then it gets sent back to um, customers and then they use that labeled data you know in 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 their algorithms and so like i said working on everything from self-driving projects which are super cool the future to yeah. biotech companies like robot like robots doing surgery and then we have our labelers sort of like annotating x-rays or mris or things like that so we can build better more efficient robots well not us but you know our our, our clients yeah. um and things like that and so that's a little bit about sama and 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 our ceo wendy gonzalez is a is a strong powerful woman and i love that as well and i look up to her and you know she's great she'll she's like one of those ceos it's a, it's a pretty big company and she'll like pop into like the community happy hour and we're like oh Hey Wendy, what's up? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> so it's um it's a it's a great community and I love waking up and logging on to Zoom <laughs> every morning to work with the team. Oh I love oh my god, that is honestly the best like story you could like also I mean it makes sense you're in tech sales, you should be able to have a very good story pitch here going. <laughs> so I'm very glad I asked that question to be honest. And it's just oh I'm so glad there is work like this being done, especially the whole equitable part of it, the opportunities and stuff you're providing, but also the fact that models are getting better training data sets and it's so important because i mean like the running joke at the moment always just like oh data scientist job is just wrangling the data or cleaning up the data like 70 percent of that is the job um but i mean there's only so much a one individual can do when they're cleaning out the data like i might notice i'm like oh there's not enough women in this or it's not enough people of color but i'm not going to notice every single bias that might exist in the data set so this is so so cool that there is work being done to kind of prevent and move this forward Right, okay, so oh, you've had like a really cool career. So, I mean, is going more technical still kind of an idea that you have? Because you, you did mention that you wanted to get into tech sales, it's kind of an entry path. Is that still a thing? Or hey, you found kind of your niche price and you really enjoy where you're at. What is next, do you think, for yourself? And also you don't have to like tie yourself into anything, just <laughs> out of interest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what? I got a piece of advice um, that I've kind of stuck to and you know, life is this crazy, wild ride, and you really just have to keep your mind open to everything. Like, if you told me, even like nine months ago, 10 months ago, that I was gonna be doing what I'm doing now, I probably wouldn't have believed you. Um, but now that I've, I have this love for, for ethical AI and tech, I definitely wanna continue down this path. Um, and, and Sama has been incredible and, and like supporting too. Like, you know, what do you want to do next, Victoria? How can we help you grow? Which is very exciting. Um, and even on the side, like how you and I met, like I'm super interested yeah. in like how we can connect more people with tech, like getting more, um, and especially like 
women, I'm passionate about this, like into this space and not be intimidated. So like, I'd love to continue, you know, whether wherever tech sales takes me or, or this is what I'm doing now, but figuring out ways to bring more people, um, you know, so there's less, less intimidation. Like I, I want it to be friendlier or at least I mean you and I know it's friendly because we work in tech but from the outside so whether that's yeah. you know playing around in VR like I think there's like some great future there of how to connect people and so I'd, I'd love to explore that space but um, yeah tech tech uh, tech will be the future for me and I'm excited to learn and grow and keep my mind open to all the different opportunities. Oh, I'm so so glad that you came and talked to me about all this kind of stuff because it's just been and I think it does sound very kind of disjointed some, for some people where it's like, oh, you did this and then you did this and then you did this and it's all very different things. But to me, it sounds very fluid in terms of one thing led to the other, which you got your skills and you learned different parts of things from every different part. Now you're employing whatever you need and whatever suits yourself to kind of keep going. Yeah, it's 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 been... Um, it's funny that you're like, it sounds disjointed. And like, sometimes I feel like it sounds disjointed, but then I sort of have to like talk myself off, off the ledge a little bit. And I'm like, you know, I was on like three different client calls today and each one of them, it was a performance. You know, it was yeah. like, instead of rehearsing, I was just, you know, I became very good friends with our director of like sales engineering. And I'm like, all right, let's 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 teach me what I need to know for this. So similar to like a rehearsal and a performance, it's it's the same thing with, with getting on calls. Um, with with data scientists because you're 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 the people that I <laughs> spend my day chatting chatting with and, and talking to and, and helping make sure that you have you know uh, ethically sourced um, data that's non biased. So I that's honestly an ideal place to wrap <laughs> this up on. I am so so thankful for you to jump onto this, especially kind of on like, hey, we met today. Do you want to do a podcast tomorrow? It was a very kind of like organically very quick uh, turnaround, which I'm super excited and glad for, to be honest. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for your time because I know it is the evening out in New York. So very thankful for it. No, it's it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Yeah, it was. It's amazing. Like, again, connecting people through tech. I mean, we're we're doing that right now <laughs> across the world. Exactly, and I'm sure there'll be people listening who might have been ballerinas because I'm sh- like, you never know who's listening, and they might end up doing tech sales or AI mm-hmm. or whatever else in the whole world. There's so many different things you can do with tech. So. Mm-hmm. I'm very glad you came along and we will leave it off of that. And we'll be back again in two weeks with another episode. But thank you for so much for your time today, Victoria. Thank you so much. So that was Victoria Grample. And I am still in awe of how her life is essentially a dance movie. But with the added on ending of her career changing into ethical AI. I think it's so great for her to highlight how she decided she wanted in on the AI world and then actually leveraging the existing skills that she already had to find the perfect job that would suit her. I'm really excited to see what the future holds for Victoria, especially in the equitable and ethical AI world that she's in, and maybe even getting to meet her in person at some stage over the next year or two. We'll be back with another episode of Pats Uncovered in two weeks time, and we'll see you then.